Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. September is a series called Having Words with Jesus. Having Words with Jesus. We reflect upon a lot of moods that we have when we read scripture, if we're honest, because we hear some difficult passages, some difficult things Jesus said, and some of us want to argue with it or twist it and turn it and, and sculpt it into something a little more palatable. I'm not the only one, right? We may just want to give it up and say, ah, we'll just not read that one this time. Maybe we really want to know. And so we come to these difficult words and we spend more time and we try to zero in and, and hear something new. There's a practice in the Jewish faith when they are reading a story and they come to a difficult one and they have no idea what to do with it. They offer a prayer of thanksgiving for all that there is yet to learn. It's a great attitude to have with Scripture. It's a great attitude to have with Jesus, which means we've got to have some words sometimes. So this is a call to listen. And we're going to hold this idea of having words with Jesus next to who we are as United Methodists. Because our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we commit to do that by our baptismal vows. So we've committed to faithfully participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And we're just as excited today as the day we first made that baptismal covenant. Amen? It's good for us to remember our calling. We typically do this this time of year, to remember our calling and our commitment, to remember it, but also to remember ourselves to it, which is what the word remember is all about. So last week, we focused on counting the cost, remembering that we're not called into a faith that is all about us feeling emotionally uplifted and swept away. While there are those moments, and while they should be celebrated, we are called to count the cost and understand exactly what it means to follow Jesus Christ, to know what we're committing to when we make that commitment, when we uplift our mission, we're to think it through. And so we're in Luke 15 today. This scene is an extension of the scene we were in last week. If you remember before last week's passage, Jesus went to a meal with some of the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the Bible experts, they're called scribes, and he criticized their religious practices, and they loved it. Now, he didn't criticize them reading scripture and trying to apply that in their everyday life. Of course, he upholds that and says that's a good thing to do. Jesus is all about that. But the practice that they uplift is the focus on the letter of the law and how they will craft it a bit and not quite live into the heart of it as long as they live by the letter of it. They'll follow the rule on the surface while bending it with loopholes. I know it's hard for us to relate to what that's like. They're not using the law to set themselves apart to embody God's goodness and holiness, to reflect to the world what God is all about. They don't set themselves apart. They separate themselves completely. Physically, emotionally, mentally, they separate themselves. 
They only eat together, taking turns hosting and passing honor back and forth. Jesus doesn't really like that. Invites them to try something else. They no longer have empathy for those who struggle to live into this way. They're called sinners. Those who don't know the law is how the gospels describe them. They don't know the law, so they aren't living it, and so they're sinners. And the Pharisees and Bible experts don't have much empathy. They've actually placed themselves, separated themselves to be above, where they look down and they judge. Jesus is having none of that. They're judging the Israelites, their fellow kindred, and they're judging the Gentiles. And Jesus doesn't seem to play that game. Last week, we turned to this passage where Jesus turned to the crowd following him after the meal and said, count the cost and leave the old way behind. I'm about something new. Those religious leaders, those Bible experts, they were following too. They liked to keep an eye on Jesus because he was doing this new thing and it was getting a response from people. So they were watching and waiting, but listening. They grumbled and complained about his ways. Believe that Jesus. And this begins our passage today. We're going to hear two of the three stories that Jesus shares in response to the grumbling from Luke 15. I'm glad we aren't going to finish the third story, which is not on the lectionary this week. It's the first two. Sometimes we just overemphasize the third and we miss the point. So remember, Jesus is telling these stories in response to the opening verse of this passage. And then remember that these words are for us today. They're still alive. They're still offering us breath. So let's hear the passage, and then we'll have some words with Jesus. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is thrilled and places it on his shoulders. When he arrives home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both heart and life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change their hearts and lives. Or what woman, if she owns 10 silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Celebrate with me, because I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. The word of God in scripture, the word of God among us, the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. We've heard these passages before. And maybe we were like, yeah, it makes sense. You'd leave the 99 and go for the one. I'm going to reframe it in a little more modern day terms. I used to work at Best Buy. I was the manager of a department there. And every year we would have our PI, our physical inventory. Things would close down early. We would stay late and we would count 
every single product in the store and match it against what we thought we had in the store to find discrepancies. It's important to do this every year. You don't want to say you're carrying enough of one thing and then somebody comes in to buy it and, oh, we don't have it like we thought we did. And no one ordered it because we thought we had some. Also accounts for what's gone missing. So imagine if 99% of things we had were accounted for, but there were 1% unaccounted for. Do you think Best Buy would close down its store the next day until they found that entire 1%? No. You know what would be lost by closing down the store for a whole day to find the 1%? Most companies have a built-in loss. They know they're going to lose some. 99% is pretty good. Anyone in management out there? 99%? Yeah, we, we celebrate over 99%, not Jesus. Jesus would say, shut it down. We're going to find every piece, however long it takes. And then we're going to dance when we do. Oh, my managers are cringing in their seats to even think about something like that. Apparently, Jesus' religious practice doesn't look like people might expect, not like the religious leaders of his day. Jesus isn't carefully crafting his image to look like a holy man. He is a holy man. He does some holy things, but he doesn't really care what you have to say. Jesus isn't separating himself from others in any way. He isn't judging. What Jesus is going around and doing is eating, connecting, finding, and rejoicing. Man, that drives the Pharisees nuts. You know how much they slave to do everything that's right, how miserable they make themselves? And here's Jesus just dancing away. You can't just welcome anybody to the table, Jesus. Jesus doesn't respond to their grumbling and complaining defensively. Notice, he doesn't follow suit in their game. He tells a story and invites them in to the story themselves. In the two stories we hear today, the lost items, they have no awareness of the predicament they're in, do they? Any sheep farmers out there? They are not smart we raised sheep in my house growing up. I showed sheep on, they're not smart. Are cows any smarter? <laughs> if a sheep is lost, it's just lost. Wandering around. Maybe it has a sense of, ooh, I don't know where my people are, but doesn't really understand the dangers until they're right in front of them. The, the word we find in our gospel account for those who are lost are sinners. Our fourth gospel spells this out exactly in chapter 7, verse 49. It says, sinners are those who don't know the law. They don't know it. It's not that they're choosing to act against it. You have to know what it is to then act against it. They may be acting against it out of their lack of awareness. Jesus compares sinners to lost sheep and a lost coin and eventually lost sons. Because the sinners aren't the only ones who are lost, as it turns out. And Jesus is kind of playfully interjecting that in these first two stories, that the, the leaders and the scribes are a little lost too. For the Pharisees and the Bible experts, they carefully memorize Scripture, quote it, they craft it, they live their lives to the crafted version that they come up with. This structure of holiness and acceptance by God according to their perspective, according to their study and their shared interpretation as they pass back and forth and talk about it all the time. The law becomes their God in a way. They make the law their idol. They're serving the law 
the letter of the law, not the heart of what it's really all about. You're either in or you're out, they say. And they determine what that is. Notice that they're always on the inside when they determine that. Isn't that funny? I tend to listen to the people who say I'm outside of it, but I know what it is, right? Those are the people I may be a little more interested in. They just don't get it. They're unaware in their own way. For Jesus, being lost or found isn't about knowing or not knowing the law. It's about following or not following him. For Jesus, while it's better to be so far from perfection following in his direction than it is to be close and moving the opposite way, isn't it? It's better to be following him than not following him. There does come a passage in the third story that is important for the first two as well. It's this. You are always with me and everything I have is yours. He says that to the older son who represents the leaders and scribes. These leaders and these experts, they're trying to follow the law. They really are. And this is a good thing. They need not worry that somehow they're losing out or being denied anything because Jesus comes and lifts up and honors those who are far off. We're lost. They aren't missing out on anything because Jesus is celebrating with the sinners. It's important for the leaders to understand that they're always with God and everything God has is theirs. Jesus finding and celebrating the finding and following of sinners who are so far away from embodying the life that God intends. It doesn't take away from those who are almost there, right? It's okay to join in. It's okay to celebrate. In fact, you should. Heaven is. And if we say a prayer every week that on earth as it is in heaven, God is a seeker. God finds the lost, and we know this because of Jesus Christ. Isn't Jesus the revelation? He's come to show of God's goodness in body and spirit. Jesus goes to the synagogue and eats with holy people, just like the religious leaders. Jesus is a good Jewish rabbi. Jesus eats and, and does things the right way many times. Luke's made this clear. But he also is out there connecting with the lost, speaking with them, touching them, healing them, connecting with them, encouraging them, and telling them about the kingdom that is among them within their grasp. Not the letter of the law, but this way of life. They don't even know what the kingdom's all about. There is good news, though to embrace, right? To hear and then to follow. But how are they going to know if someone isn't out there telling them? Not just in words. Because Jesus, his main weapon of goodness aren't words. It's the things he does. It's the way he talks to people. He's constantly healing when he's not supposed to and who he's not supposed to according to the idolized way of the law. Jesus is consistently bucking the expectations you ever been surprised or shocked by Jesus? Man, think of being in his day. The expectations of his day are, are just set aside for the sake of love and compassion for those who are outside of the circle of religious acceptability. There are times when Jesus doesn't even seem to care about the rules or traditions in his day. It seems that way. It's not true. It's just their crafted version doesn't quite fit his. He does follow the traditions. He's a good Jewish rabbi. But when it comes to the traditions or the lost, 
Jesus chooses the lost every time. Amen? Can you think of a time where Jesus says, mm, I can't spend time with you. I can't go to your house. You don't quite measure up. The only negative words he ever has are, are for the old way of understanding of acceptability. He criticizes that. The only negative words people have are against those who are saying, Jesus, you're having way too much fun. He's exercising too much freedom. He's eating too much. He's drinking too much. It's too welcoming. Anybody can come to his table. You hear the Pharisees and the leaders grumbling, and I, I get it. I understand. From their perspective, I get it. Religious people in Jesus' day just didn't know what to do with him. And sometimes in ours, don't know what to do with Jesus. So here we are today. Friends, we are always with God and everything God has is ours. Amen? But will we follow him in finding the lost? Will we have the faith that it takes to leave the 99 unintended to for the sake of the one? Will we trust that following and in the mission and in the commitment to Jesus Christ challenges us to no longer focus on the gathered flock in the way that we often want to? The 99 sheep and nine coins are going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine. They know the way and they have each other. Following Jesus means we recognize the absolute need to go out finding the lost. The ones that don't know. They're not going to wander themselves in here and into this life of faith. Sometimes, but rarely. Our mission is to make disciples. Our commitment is to participate in the ministries of the church in a multitude of ways. These aren't about gathering people in this space so we can just pass on around back and forth and leave it at that. It's good to do this, but we don't leave it at that. We can be assured that we are always with God and everything that is God's is ours. But we must live our mission and commitment. There will be some people who will not follow Jesus because he's just too much and he goes too far. Some will prefer the law way of life, whatever that is, and we all do it differently. We can't invest our energy into arguing and debating because that almost always just causes harm. We are to seek out those who don't know about the kingdom as revealed in Jesus Christ. So many of the lost have come to know only the message of the Pharisees and legal experts. Can I get an amen? That's all they know is that message. And isn't it a sign of spiritual health when they say, mm -mm, I'm not interested in that message? It's a sign of health. So are they hearing the better way? Don't lose hope for those who say no to the self-righteous version of the faith. Don't, don't lose hope. Join them in saying no while embodying something different. Share your witness friends. People need it. Tell people what following Jesus means to you. It's as simple as that. What does it mean to you? Tell them about the joy you've found. And if you haven't found that joy, you're not. Jesus Christ is seeking you out. Jesus Christ will find you. Whether it's in spirit or through the body of the church, you will be found. Finding you is more important than anything else. And when you are found, there will be joy in heaven. Amen? And hopefully, in the church on earth too. Isn't that the prayer? 
a life following Jesus, don't worry. It leads you into a life of salvation and, and figuring it all out and being molded and shaped in the right way. Okay, it's not just about being found and that's it. But for the rest of us who are on that path, let's trust in our faith that the 99 are going to be okay. Jesus has secured our lives eternally. Amen? What should we fear? Nothing. So let's follow our Savior into the wilderness, ready to bear our witness with our entire lives, ready to live our mission, ready to live into our commitment, remembering ourselves into this life of the kingdom every single day. Let's go out there with such joy and celebration that people will ask, what is up with those people? And our only response can be a story about something lost being found. Amen? Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website, at sellersburgumc.com.